This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach, heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today I'm joined by the beautiful, brilliant, and talented film, television, and soap opera actress extraordinaire, two-time novelist, and author of the absolutely delightful Changing Shoes, Staying in the Game with Style, Humor, and Grace. And it's all of those things. I love this book. I first discovered Tina, not in the obvious place on Guiding Light, where she spent 26 years playing the nurse Lillian Rains, but on her wonderful Instagram page, where she posts videos every day called Aging Tips. There was something so compelling about her beauty, authenticity, humor, and earrings, but we'll get to those in a moment. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about Tina Sloan. Tina has appeared in many films with some huge famous stars, Woody Allen's Celebrity and the Curse of the Jade Scorpion, The Brave One with Jodie Foster, Changing Lanes with Ben Affleck, The Guru with Marissa Tomei, People I Know with Al Pacino, Black Swan with Natalie Portman, and The Post with Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Some great company. On television, Tina played Lillian Rains on Guiding Light for 26 years. And for 10 years before that, she was on all these soaps, Somerset, Search for Tomorrow, which I remember it was on Channel 3 in Montreal, where I grew up, and Another World. She's also been on Law & Order, SVU, and Third Watch. The release of her first book, Changing Shoes, coincided with the one-woman show she wrote, also called Changing Shoes. It opened in New York and she performed it all across the country and in London too. Tina has done several web series as well, Venice the series and Beacon Hill the series, as well as numerous speaking engagements. Her books, and I've got them right here, Chasing Cleopatra. And by the way, thank you for sending these beautiful books. And Chasing Othello are packed with romance, adventure, fun, and life. And that's one of the secrets to Tina Sloan's success. She knows how to live life to the full. Tina lives in Florida with her husband of 48 years. They love to travel the world and they especially love to visit their son, Rennie, who lives in Nashville with his wife and three children. Tina has run, now get this guys, eight marathons. Oh my gosh. And climbed two 20,000 foot peaks in Africa and Nepal. And she's just getting started. Tina Sloan, what a delight to have you here. Welcome to Finding Your Bliss. Thank you. I just sound, I, I think about what you just said, and I thought, was that me that did all those things? Who did that? I don't think that was me, <laughs> but it was. <laughs> it definitely was. Tina, as I mentioned, in addition to your illustrious career in one of the longest running soaps ever, Guiding Light, you played the leading lady, Lillian Rains, for 26 years, and your numerous appearances in film and TV, and I really became aware of you for the first time, as mentioned, when I was scrolling Instagram. And I discovered your page where you post these wonderful videos, which really are, and I want to tell the audience about this, musings, thoughts, anecdotes, secrets 
noticings, entertainment, advice, and fun. And I was just blown away and really became addicted to your page. And that's how I found you. Can you tell us more about your incredible following on Instagram? And what do you attribute to this page's phenomenal success? You know, I remember thinking people would ask me questions because I'm 80 and they'd say, how are you so young at 80? And I'd think, oh, there's some tricks I got from Guiding Light and from good things I got living. And I so I put them on as aging tips. I went hashtag aging tips. And I think I had a normal amount of followers within six months. I had 25,000 followers. I mean, it was fascinating because I think I'm very honest and I say things that are ridiculous sometimes and I laugh at myself. But I seem to help people. Yesterday, I mean, I did a really good one the other day on Memorial Day about the coins people put on soldiers' tombs. And I'd gone to visit a friend of yes. a friend of ours who had died in Arlington. And I saw pennies, nickels, and quarters on his tomb. And then I looked around and didn't see any. And then when we were walking out, I saw someone else with change on it. So I decided to tell people what that meant because I looked, I asked a woman what it meant. And she said, people put a penny on, it means they visited the grave. If they put a nickel on, it means they've gone to boot camp with this soldier. If they put a dime on, it means they fought in the same battalion. And if they put a quarter on, it means they were with him when he died. Well, I thought this was just a wonderful Memorial Day thing. And those are things that I like to put on aging tips. And people seem to really like them. And it makes me feel I'm giving back. When I did Changing Shoes, the play, I used to stand backstage and say, why am I doing this? Why am I going all over the country? And I say to myself, if I can change just one person tonight, one woman's life primarily, it's worth it. And I think that's what I'm doing with my aging tips too. I'm trying to help people in some funny way and laughable way and sad way to see another side, to to make life more palatable and more fun and more wonderful. So fantastic. I got to ask you about the earrings because you always are dressed. You always have makeup on. And I thought, good for you. Oh, always. And and it's so important. And I'm a big believer in that as well. But explain the earrings. Where do they all come from? Why earrings? What do you- My friend Susie gave me. I love these. But usually I wear long dangling ones that a friend of mine, I was shopping in Palm Beach. I wasn't shopping. We were going to a lecture and she said, let's stop at this store. And I went, oh, okay. And we went in and I saw these really lovely dangly earrings, but I thought, I'll never wear them. So I went out to the car. We were on our way over to the lecture and she gave me a package and in it were these long dangly earrings. And I put them on and everybody said, I love them. And then I went back to the store and got every color. They're blueberries, (laughs) they're lemons, they're avocados and oranges. And they make me happy when I look in the mirror. And when I put makeup on, it really makes me a lot happier than the days. I usually spend one day maybe when I don't wear too much makeup. I think it's probably good for our skin. But if I wear makeup and I wear long earrings or any earrings, I, I like myself more and I feel better when I pass a mirror or, or I see the pool man coming and he's chatting with me and he'll say, oh, I like your earrings. And I say, oh, thank you. <laughs> You spent a lot of years, 26 to be precise, in the makeup chair at Guiding Light. And I'm sure you learned a lot of tips and had a lot of fun sitting in that makeup chair. What was that like? Well, I think the makeup chair is where everybody sort of gossiped. I mean, it was the place to find out what was going on, who was doing what and where they were doing it. And I guess I learned. I mean, I certainly learned to put a a line up because I have cat eyes, they told me. That's something I remember. And I use a base now. 
and I honestly should have stock in this company because I've, I've mentioned it so often <laughs> on aging tips, but it's called Perbell, P-E-R-B-E-L-L-E, and it hides, makes you look young. I mean, it's really wonderful. I'm not, I'm not making a thing for it. You know, some companies have called me after they've heard more I've mentioned the shoes I wear that are comfortable for older people that are still pretty like Sarah Flint or, you know, and they said, do you want to help us or do you want to? And I said, no, 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 I'm doing this. This is my mission is to help people, not, not to make money, though. I, I'd love to make money, but I'm not going to do that because it would change what I was doing. Sure. Although I think we should make a deal with Chanel, though, because I have a lot to say about Chanel later on, but that could be very profitable. In doing research for this interview, I watched you on a show that was hosted by two guys. This was about eight years ago that you did this. It's, it's online if anyone wants to see it. And you looked gorgeous on that program, as always. And one of the hosts, who was gay, said he would change just for you, that you would actually <laughs> make him straight. That's how beautiful he thought you were. And I also <laughs> love the story in your book, Changing Shoes, about how whenever the phone would ring, even on set, it would always be another guy for you. You just had the it factor. Can you tell us how you got into this acting profession? I know it wasn't your mother's first choice for you at all. No, no. But you did it anyway. Sure. Can you tell us? I, mean, I, I think we all know inside of ourselves what we should do with our lives. And when I told my parents I wanted to act, they just laughed. My mother especially. She told me it was déclassé. I went, okay, I don't even know what that means, but all right. And um, I just, I just pursued it because it's what I wanted to do. And I mean, there were times when I thought I was never going to make it. Obviously, I was walk, pounding the pavements, trying to get an agent, trying to get an audition. And finally, I got an audition. Oh, for I had a tiny little off, off, off Broadway play I was in. I think I had 12 lines, but um, someone from yes. Ford Model Agency saw me and they said, come on in. So they sent me out on a commercial and I got it. So, I mean, I was golden. In those days, being blonde, blue-eyed, you had it made. I mean, you just did everything. And I could yes. look glamorous and do Clairol and I could look like a mommy and do pampers. I, I had the ability to <laughs> sort of be a chameleon and that that paid off wow. in, that, in the commercials. And then yeah. You know, then I decided I was tired of running around all day, every day, going from one audition to another, and I wanted to do a soap opera. So I said to my agent, if you don't do it, I'll go to another agent. So he sent me on an audition, and I got it. And I just loved doing soap operas. You know, wow. Judy, I walked onto the set the first time, and I thought, this is where I belong. And I've heard people say this, you know, they get, they get cards at a bridge table, and they say, this is what I want to do. Or they walk onto a golf course and they think, oh, this is who I am. Or you write a book and you're feeling hey, this, I'm finding who I am. And I'm sure yes. you, you, you feel this way, right? I mean, what you're doing is probably what you want to do. You want to be Absolutely. who you are right now, interviewing people, finding their bliss for them. You said, you know, you, you were just giving, making us breathe and meditate. And I think <laughs> that, you know, that's probably who you are. And you find that out and you say, this is what yes. I want to do. And you follow it. If you find your bliss, then you follow it. Yes, absolutely. You have to be brave to do that. And I want to go back a little more into your childhood because your mother actually convinced you to go to Paris to meet with a Parisian friend of your parents. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Aga or Aja Church, who you had spent a summer with in your 20s. And she was this very classy, well-bred woman, much like you. And your parents thought she would talk some sense into you about not choosing the acting profession. But that's not exactly what happened. What impact did Aga, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, Church Aga. have on your life and career? Oh, su such an impact on my life. I mean, I think of her all the time. She just 
everything she did was wonderful. Men were insane about her. I used, she was married, um, but I'd watch her. She owned something called, oh, I'm not forgetting the name of it, but it was a nightclub, a Parisian nightclub. And it's just something she sort of did, you know, offhandedly, she invested in it. And it became a very famous nightclub. And she'd take me there. She'd take me to Maxime. She'd take me to Chanel to buy shoes because I was wearing little Papagallos, I think at the time, or Capizios. <laughs> and she wanted me to be a little more elegant. So she took me and she <laughs> bought me a beautiful dress too. I, you know, she just had such wow. style and such joie de vivre. And I remember her going to a man, I'll never forget this, uh, watching her, just watching her with people. And she said, oh, Walty, what did she say? Oh, Walty, I just love your <laughs> green eyes. They're the most, they're <laughs> so, so, so <laughs> I just love seeing those the next day, a green emerald came to her. I'm not kidding. You. Oh! And when she died, when she died, she left me that emerald. You're kidding me. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Oh, my God. It, it came. I, I, I almost cry when I think of it. I'd gone back to see her when she was older, when she was probably 80 like I was. I think she was a little older than that. And she had diminished quite a bit. I mean, she wasn't, yes. she wasn't that woman that I'd met that was changed my life, that made me excited to see her. Yeah. And she was quite diminished. Her husband had died. And because he was English, he had not been able to leave her money because they lived in Paris. There was oh. some English law. So she was without resources to keep herself where she'd walk into a hotel and, or the bar in a hotel and they'd all fall all over because she was tipping them yeah. probably $100 or whatever it was. You know, she was just a small sort of woman. And anyway, I visited her. I brought my husband. I brought my son to see her. Wow. And when she died, I got a letter from her saying, Tina, <laughs> I could hear her voice, Tina, you must always follow your heart. You must always do what you want to do. And I hope these, these are for your son. He has green eyes too. And I took open the box and there was that ring. And what I did, I gave it to my son as I guess as an engagement ring for his wife, but I know, I think I had something wow. else in mind for it. And it, I mean, she just was, she was perfect. She really was. She was a great wow. skier. She was a dynamo. Nothing phased her until life took a bad turn for her. And I, I remember I was making money myself then. So needless to say, I sent her money when this is, and then she died pretty soon after that. But I, when I got that ring and it just brought back the memories, Walty, oh, you are so, all oh, those eyes of yours, you know. Oh, oh my God. Could, we all could learn from French women like that. Yes, we? yes, absolutely. And and you talk about that in the book about flirtation, which I'm going to get to because it's, it's fascinating. So let's go now, let's fast forward to what it was like when you were told they wanted you to play the role for Lillian Rains, which originally they thought was going to be for six months. We played that role for 26 years. That's, that's a very long time on Guiding Light. The character had an abusive husband, was the mother of a 20-year-old. I know you left at the chance. Do you remember that audition? And did you know at the time that it was going to change your life? I didn't have to audition. Gail, the um, producer, called me in. She'd seen me on another, oh, on Somerset, where I was a really strong woman. I was a a publisher of a newspaper and I fired a man who was the editor who turned, I, who I married on the show. I was just very <laughs> strong, but they wanted a strong woman to play a weak woman on um, this woman. Lillian was going to be very weak, yes. but they needed someone who wasn't weak inside to play a weak woman. They wanted a strong woman. So I walked in and she said, you know, this is just going to be a short part. Do you mind having a 20 year old daughter? I said, Oh, I'm thrilled. I thrilled to be on this show. So I did it. 
and I stayed there for 26 years. I was there till the, the day the show went off the air. I had the last line of shooting of that show. I mean, they showed other things as the, at the end of the scene, but I had the last line and it was, weren't we lucky to have each other? And I couldn't get it out. I kept crying. I, I never, I, I was very good about not holding people up, but I couldn't say that line to all these people that had all been together. And it was not supposed to be about the end of the show. It was supposed to be about something else. And I said, weren't we lucky to have each other? <laughs> and finally I got it out the right Aww. way. We're lucky to have each other. What a great story. You know, you mentioned Somerset and you did many other soaps. We talked about them in other worlds, Somerset and others. And Andy Warhol once stopped you, you write about this in the book, at an art gallery, recognized you and actually called out to you because he was addicted to watching you on that soap. Like, that's pretty cool stuff. He was with O.J. Simpson. He and O.J. <sighs> Simpson were talking. Well, this was before the the glove. And they were talking and I was my first date with my husband. He was taking me to a friend, his, one of his friend's art galleries. And we walked in and I saw Andy Warhol across the room and all of a sudden he went running over to me and said, Kate, Kate, oh, I love you. I love you. And there's OJ. I mean, <laughs> there was no way my husband wasn't going to marry me after that introduction. <laughs> it was perfect. That is fabulous. That is fabulous. So I just want the audience to, to understand that you actually spent 26 years. So you went from being the star actress, the star of the show on Guiding Light to becoming the mother of the star and then the grandmother of the star. And it really feels, and I see this even watching you today, that you were able to achieve all of this with effortless grace. How were you able to do that? Because you really did. Well, the day the show was over, I was about to become a great grandmother. <laughs> My granddaughter was about to have a baby that, and the show was ending. I don't know. It was just, I just was so happy to be working. I, as I said, when I walked into that room, into a TV studio, I thought, this is where I belong. I'm home here. So I wasn't going to give it up. I mean, there were times when it was not good and I was not used at all and I was depressed and I'd cry and I'd eat, I'd eat M&Ms. I remember in my dressing room, it was M&Ms <laughs> to make me feel better. And it didn't always make me feel better, you know? But I yes. loved all the people I was working with, so I was going to just stay there if I could. And I did. Did you find you, you had to learn lines on a daily basis and keep up with such a, a rigor? And I even find like doing this show, which I've been doing for four years, I do it like 51 weeks of the year practically. And I'm wondering how you were able to do this every day with television scripts changing at the last minute, sometimes 10 minutes before you go to air. Were you just a great memorizer? Did you find it hard to learn your lines or was it just something you developed that, that muscle and were able to do it? I think I was probably always good at it. I mean, but I was young too when I started, you know, I mean, that was easy. Now, if they gave me a script, I'm not sure I, I could learn it. But then in those days, it was, I just read it and studied it and did it. I mean, it, it wasn't hard at all for me. There were people it was hard for who couldn't read it and learn it. And I remember they'd get tape recorders and listen to it so they could learn it that way. But to be on a show five days a week, not that I what you are usually, but and the scripts were 72 pages a day. If you had a big part, I mean, if you were really having a storyline that was important, you had to work very hard. And people were really good at this. I mean, everyone was good natured. This show, Guiding Light, and it was known for it. It was just, everyone on it was lovely, almost. So fun. <laughs> really, they were. They were just wonderful people. And the crew were fabulous. Hair and makeup was terrific. Wardrobe. 
you loved everybody. So you wanted to be there. It just wasn't that hard for me. I mean, there are things that are hard for me. My husband's a great golfer and I try to play golf. That's hard for me. I'm just not very (laughs) athletic. So there are things I'm not good at, but acting I'm good at. So you created this one woman autobiographical play called Changing Shoes, which I think began in Boca, Florida. You wrote that Changing Shoes is a play about change and about finding the courage to transform yourself. That's what this show's all about. Dreams have no expiry date and twinkle again after your lights have been dimmed. And I believe that that show, that one woman autobiographical show became the springboard for your beautiful book, Changing Shoes, which as I mentioned, I devoured. What was it like when you did that one woman play of changing shoes? That must've been such a trip for you. Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break more with actress, author, and Instagram influencer, Tina Sloan on Finding Your Bliss when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And Tina, just before the break, I was asking you about your one-woman show, Changing Shoes. What was it like being on tour with that show? It was delightful. <laughs> I, it was it was fun to go from all over, you know, to go to Pittsburgh, to go to Houston, to go to, well, it opened in New York City. That's where I wrote it, where I, I lived in New York my whole life until we moved to Florida. Wow. And you know, I wrote it with a man named Joe Plummer, who directed the play. And he was just, he was absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful. I mean, he's, he was a Shakespearean mm-hmm. person. He was, he had a Shakespearean troupe and he did that. Now he's doing documentaries. He was really smart. Wow. So I would get up and we'd get a topic and I'd talk about it and I'd get, sometimes we'd have huge fights, but I'd talk about it <laughs> and he would take notes and then we'd make the play from what, you know, he'd say, how do you feel about love affairs or whatever he, he decided to pick out? And I would discuss and say, you know, yes, no, whatever. How do you feel about eating chocolate chip cookies? And I'd say, oh, all right, I'll go get you one, Joe. I know what you want. But we, we, were, we were really good. My husband was wonderful. He didn't mind that Joe would come over after or for dinner every night. He was just newly married too. And we'd work on it because he had a job and I had a job and we'd work on it. And then we'd do it on Joe became so much part of our family. I, I was wonderful. And how long did you do that for Tina? The, this show, the one about a show? year, about a year, I think might've been longer. And Oh, I know it was longer because I'd, I'd be somewhere and they'd say, wouldn't you like to do your play here? And I'd say, sure. And those say someone recently said, wouldn't you like to redo it? And I went, 
No. And then just the other day, Judy, <laughs> I was going through some old DVDs and I found a DVD of the play. I didn't know it had ever been filmed. And so I sort of, I'm going to put it on my YouTube channel and I'm going to watch it and see what I did because it was, it was really, wow. it was really wonderful. And I said earlier that I wanted to prove something and say something to people about you have to change your shoes constantly. You know, you can have sexy high heels when you're young and you parade around and you're close to the stars and you're thrilled <laughs> with yourself. And then, you know, you start getting running shoes when you're going to run marathons. And then you get in, I had pink boots when I climbed Kilimanjaro, I remember. Mount Kilimanjaro, you change, yes. <laughs> you, know, you keep changing what you're doing because mm -hmm. it's what life is about. Getting back to the book now, which I think came out of this beautiful one woman show. Uh, you wrote the book in 2010, but I have to tell you, it's that was 13 years ago, but it still is fantastic today. It's like it was written yesterday. And I loved what Emmy Award winning star of all my children, Susan Lucci, wrote about your book, which was in her fabulous and entertaining book, Changing Shoes. Tina portrays that even though our roles as actors, wives, and mothers may change as life goes on, with the right attitude and shoes, we can stay sexy and relevant and take on new challenges. Can you tell us more about your brainchild and what inspired you to write this? Really, I'm going to have to call it delicious book. It is. It's a wonderful book. I, I updated that book, too. I, I put things in to update it about mm, two years ago, I think, or maybe three years ago, because I thought, you know, we have to know where our passwords are. You know, I was talking about in, in there the, the, the things about you have to do as you get older. Mostly it's a fun book, yeah. but there are things you have to do, like a living will and a power of attorney and yes. all these things. Yes. And so I came and I thought, gee, if someone doesn't know where your passwords are and something happens to you, everything's over. So I put that in the new book and I, I updated a lot of thinking in it. So it is sort of a new newer version of the 2010. But I wrote it. At the same time, we were writing the play. I mean, they, they crossed into each other a lot. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. So wonderful for the people who weren't in Florida or on your tour and could have access to the wonderful story and all the wonderful. It's just so full of so many golden nuggets. I couldn't get over it. I, I think people really need to read this book. Thank you, Judy. And I love the humorous and poignant anecdotes. And I loved how you talked about you know really always being a beauty. You were always, a, to this day, a movie star, a goddess. But now there's this aging thing. And we all struggle with this, right? Us in the media, you as an actress and, and anyone in show business. And I love that you tackle all of that from love life to career and family and aging parents. And there's some very poignant uh, moments in the book about that. Your advice is evocative and inspirational. And there's just so much that I loved about it. But I want to talk a little bit about shoes again for a moment, because they're almost like another inanimate object or another character, if you will, in the book. <laughs> changing shoes. And I guess the question is, what is it about shoes that are so evocative and so evocative to you? Huh. That's interesting. I remember when I was trying to think of the title of the book and the play, it took me longer than it took to write it, I think. It was really hard to think what, what I was trying to say and how I was trying to say it. And then when I realized that it could be done through shoes and probably I saw someone try to do it through clothes after my play. I must say, I thought, you're copying me. <laughs> and they were using dresses, the dresses from high school and college. You can do that. But I think it's, well, you could, and you could use the clothes you wore as a young girl and as a bride. I mean, there are ways you could have done that, obviously. 
But shoes just seemed a much easier way if I'm going to do a play because you can put them on and off where you can't put the dresses on and off on stage. It just seemed an easier way. I I don't know. The head of Chanel came and they sent me some beautiful Chanel shoes that were this high. I, I kept them because they're so beautiful. Oh. And, I, and they had a big, you know how they have that flower, whatever that flower that yes. Chanel always has. It yes. looks like that. They had that in silver on these pink high heels. I mean, I, I, I'm going to keep them forever. I'm certainly never going to wear them, but they're bright, bright pink and they're just wonderful. I loved the way you talk about in the book about the white Chanel, I believe, high heeled shoes that you wore as Nurse Rainer. Those white high heeled shoes. And every time you put them on, you felt alive and you felt like, like, wow, like it just gave you that, that buzz and that feeling of I'm ready. And it's almost like putting on your character dance shoes before you dance on stage. What was right. it about those white high-heeled shoes that just made you feel alive? Well, I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I remember the nurses' uniforms early on were just fabulous. You know, they were gorgeous little tight skirts, <laughs> short, short little white skirts, and these sexy little blouses and sexy high heels. I mean, I understand how people would have visions of men would especially would be turned on by a nurse. Now, of course, they're in scrubs and sneakers. <laughs> And, 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 and Lillian right. in the end was wearing scrubs and sneakers and it was really sort of depressing. I mean, there was wow. nothing quite like, you know, sneakers or, or white high heels, Chanel shoes was, you just felt, I mean, if it's a Chanel shoe, they're thin and they're beautiful. And Aga Church, my friend in Paris had taken me to Chanel and that's where my first pair of Chanel shoes were. Oh, I still have them. Wow. Um, wow. It's just wonderful. And friends of mine have given me shoes that meant something to them. And somebody told me they had a book party. I thought this was wonderful. Everyone was supposed to bring a pair of shoes that meant something to them and then discuss it at the party. Isn't that oh, a great idea? I love they that. They had to read the book first. You know, everyone, it was a book party. Everyone read the book first and then they brought their shoes. And I thought that was, that was a wonderful idea. That That's was down awesome. in, you know, where it was, it was in Atlanta, Georgia. Wow. I have to ask you, I love the story in the book of how you were with your TV daughter. This was when you were in Guiding Light and you were wearing this stunning, glamorous yellow gown. Fabulous story in the book, everyone changing shoes about this. And you would often, it, it would be your lunch break. And I guess instead of having whatever they were serving on set, you'd go out for, you'd go out for lunch or just go walk out into the streets of New York, which you love to do in costume. And you notice for the first time, and I know this so well because I have a daughter who's an actor and a singer living in New York, actually. And you notice for the first time that those cat calls and whistles are not for you <laughs> and that they had eyes for this daughter in her gown. How did you deal with that at the time? How does that happen? First of all, what can we do to feel better about it or change it? Or do we just have to embrace it? Well, I do remember sort of hating her <laughs> when we were walking out. I remember I had a beautiful yellow Oscar de Lorena gown. It was beautiful. And we didn't yeah. have time to change our clothes to go outside. And they were used to seeing us come into this coffee shop like that. So we walked in and everybody was looking at her. And I thought, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but what's wrong is no one's looking at me. They're all looking at Beth. I really, really didn't like her. I remember going, I mean, I loved her, but I all of a sudden hated her. So I went back to my dressing room and I looked at myself and I thought, I've gotten old. I mean, you know, my arms are, how can I possibly have on, not have sleeves on? How can I be showing my arms? And I was sort of stunned and how fast it seemed to overnight take me on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was depressing. There's no question. It is depressing, but it's going to happen. 
it's just it's it's just what happens to us. And so I think we have to just grin. I, I'm going to say grin and bear it. And I also found getting close to younger people was a good idea for me because I wasn't going to be jealous. I was going to just enjoy them and make my life fun. Your yes. son is my godson. And he's just going to college. And he just called us the other night about a decision he wanted to make. And he wanted to talk to my husband about it. So we've stayed so close, obviously, that that this boy is my son. I remember when she asked me, which was 20 years ago, and I said, I'll be 80 by the time he's 20. And she said, I don't care. And I was thrilled to find that out. She didn't care. (laughs) Wow. I love that. That's so lovely. Let's talk now a little bit about your brainchild aging tips on Instagram, which is really how I found you, uh, Tina. And it's fabulous. I'm obsessed with it. And just to share with our listeners, Tina Sloan delights her followers on Instagram by sharing short videos daily, I believe, where she offers inspirational perspectives on aging and she shares captivating stories. Her insights are insightful and enjoyable. But what also attracted me to the page is that you always look beautiful together. Anyway, the aging tips is wonderful and I love it. And I just want everybody to read it because it's just, uh, it's what, what has been the reaction to this wonderful Instagram page? Like people must just be going crazy. Just huge. I mean, it just amazed me how it went from normal amount of people, friends following me to 25,000 in maybe five, six months. I don't know, but they're only like a minute long, maybe a minute and a half. And I don't think about what I'm going to say. My husband will say, we're going out and he'll say, I'll say, do you have time for me to just do one, an aging tip? I haven't done one. I don't do them every day. I, I just sort of do them. Maybe I'll do them today because, you know, I've been sitting here and he'll yes. say, oh, sure. And a minute later, he'll go out and get in the car and a minute and a half later, I'm in the car. <laughs> and it, it just great. sort of flows from me. And because I've lived 80 years, I have lots of things to draw from, you know? And so I'll look at a, an ashtray or I'll look at a picture and I'll think of, I say, I'm looking at a picture of Aspen trees and I'll think of that. And, and then I'll do a talk about it or a little minute thing. And Fabulous. They work, I, I'm also enjoying doing advice to young Tina from older Tina, which I think yes. is sort of, I mean, I don't do as many of those, but every now and then I think, oh, if I'd only known this when I was young Tina, if I'd only known it when I was 20 or 25 or 30, and it would have been, yes. life would have been a lot easier. So I put those on and some young girls have come up to me and said things like, oh, and people I know sort of are watching them. And I see them, you know, you know, as someone you see once a month or something, and they'll look at me and they'll say, like your earrings on the show, on your aging tips today, because they're, <laughs> as I said, they're all long and dangling. It's, it's great. It's so great. You write about this woman in your book, Tina, a 96-year-old who gave you such great advice about how to stay in the game and how to always sort of have your moxie. And you asked her, how do you do it? And she kind of said, you just do it. But you know what I'm talking about in your book? What was it about her? And and what have you gleaned from that that you can share with our listeners about this? By the way, I just want to say there's a lot of people that when they knew I was doing this episode said you're aging with such beauty and grace. But some people have difficulty with it. They struggle with it. You don't seem to be struggling. You're sort of doing it. Maybe it's good genes and good cheekbones. I don't know. But like, how do you help people who have ageism, who are struggling with the whole aging process. And there are many people like that where it's really a thing. So what did you learn from your 96-year-old friend? Before you answer that, we're going to go on a short commercial break. We'll be right back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. 
Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Finding Your Bliss belong solely to the host and guests on her show. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. Before the break, Tina, I was asking you about the lessons that you learned from your 96-year-old friend. Well, I remember she was putting her suitcase up. She was putting her own suitcase in the airplane up above, you know, in the little cabin. And I said, can I help you? And I knew who she was because she was sort of famous, and she was beautifully dressed. I mean, famous for being her age and being still you know playing a little golf and things she did a lot of things still and she said no i'm gonna do it and i thought and i watched her and i sort of stood there in case it fell on us and then she closed it and so i said i looked at her and said how do you do it meaning how do you do what you're doing living at the way you are and i do remember another this was alistair cook who was a great he wrote letters from america he was a very famous man he was british and his wife i adored his wife and she acted like everything was wonderful but her she could no longer paint because her hands were all arthritic and i asked her too and i said okay how are you doing this and she said you just do it and i think that's the answer it's like nike just you just do it i mean there's nothing there's no choice but you have a choice if you're going to be good-natured about it that you have a choice whether she never complained and i loved her for not complaining and then one time she said this isn't easy and i remember being devastated i didn't want her to say that i didn't want her to tell me it wasn't going to be easy i was about 40 then or so or 50 and i i don't i didn't want to hear it wasn't going to be easy to be 80. and you know i see a lot of my friends who who aren't here I mean, you know, they're gone or their husbands are gone. And I think that's hard, too, when you become widowed. I watch the widows here. Mm. And, you know, we, I took one of them out for dinner. You you try to be part of their lives somewhat, but you can't do it all the time. Sure. And because you're with your husband and it's, I don't know. But I do, I think I love to read. I love to read. Right now I'm reading a book about T.S. Eliot called The Hyacinth Girl. It just mm. came out that one of my... Mm closest friends from college told me to read because I did my thesis on T.S. Eliot. So I'm going to get all my T.S. Eliot books and I'll read them and while I'm reading her book. And I have been. So I think it's having projects. My, I'm writing another book right now called Chasing Czars, which is the third in the Cleopatra series that I, oh, I sent you. Oh, so it's Cleopatra, Othello, and the, we were going to ask you what the cliffhanger, what's the next book? That's so cool. Yeah, it's, how, it's, it's how, do, you write, do you write every day? I Do you sit at your computer and write every I read, day? I write a lot. My computer, yeah, I'm right here. I, I guess I write every day, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just decide I'm not going to write today. But yeah, I do. And I think it's having projects for yourself. You know, if it's your garden, you get out and play in your garden. And I, I've had friends say how much they get rejuvenated by working in their garden. And I have another friend who walks, yes. walks and walks and walks. I had an aunt who died at 80 
nine. And she walked all the time, seven miles a day until the last few years of her life. No way. And I can remember her trying to open, you know, they give you these medicines and you can't open them to get the pill out. Or you try to open a soup can, you know, the pull up ones and you can't do it. And I'd come up to visit her and she'd say, I have all these things for you to open for me. I go, okay. (laughs) Really? And now I understand what she was talking about. So I have a friend that I have opened more bottles for us. I mean, there are things you're not going to do. So you find, figure out ways to do them. And I think having younger friends helps too, a, a lot. I have a good friend who's 50. Yeah. I totally agree. We we have a team and, and everyone on the team is, I would say 30 or 40 years younger than me. I saw Olivia. And it's so fun, young. right? Yeah. And then you use all right. their lingo and you say all these words. I don't know if you ever watch Excuse My Grandma with Grandma Gail, who's in Palm Beach and her daughter, her granddaughter, they were on the show and they talk about the cultural divide between, you know, being a grandmother and a granddaughter. And the grandmother sort of deciphers everything from the fifties for the granddaughter and vice versa. They've been on the show. <laughs> anyway, I thought you might know them because they're, they're important. But anyway, I found it fascinating that not only are you this really longstanding actress who had like the longest gig in, you know, in, in acting history, you've done all these movies with huge stars, you've done all of this work, but you're also a writer, which is so incredible. Chasing Cleopatra was just good fun, everyone. So there's some great books you can read if you're looking for some great summer reading. One is called Chasing Cleopatra. The second is Chasing Othello. And I'll tell you what this book is. There's romance, drama, and thrilling action. Readers will fly through it. I imagine you must have done a ton of research to write the book because you write in detail about the threat of Al-Qaeda, detailed knowledge of plant life and flying helicopters and literature and art. Your story is so complex. Where did this fabulous idea come from? What was the research for this book like, the first book? Oh, I love doing the research. Right now, I'm having such fun doing the research for the new one. As I said, it keeps you in the game. It keeps you alive doing research. You know, you're, you're reading things and you're thinking, oh, this is so interesting. I had a dream that was the basis of chasing Cleopatra. And let me add, she's a 46-year-old woman. We're not, I didn't use a young girl to be the heroine of this book. You know, I used a woman who was, had, been, had lived a bit. And she's very, very beautiful. And she's very athletic. And she's, you know, men just flock to her. And of course, it was sort of fun for me to write her because at 80, this doesn't happen anymore. So I loved writing her. And I just adore this woman. I think she's fabulous. I do have a 24-year-old in there. And she steals the 24-year-old's boyfriend away, not knowing that he's he, ha- he is not mentioned to her that he's got a girlfriend. She doesn't have any idea about this. And it all takes place in Honolulu, which I've been. I ran the Honolulu Marathon years ago. So I got to put that in there. And it just sort of unfolds from me. As I said, when you're by the time you're 80, you've had a lot of life. So there are a lot of life experiences you can put in into a book. And, you know, I know with Google and also with artificial intelligence, you can get any answer you want in two minutes. Well, not two minutes, but you can get your answers. That's so incredible. Do you, and I wonder, does your experience as an actor make stepping into these different characters? Like you, you go from the glamorous Cleopatra to the mother hen Miranda, the slick CIA agent Trip, violent terrorist, the warm and jovial Pudding and Pudge, and the girl next door, Julia, and all have their unique and voices and complicated histories. So has being an actor informed you as a writer? Does it help? Sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just instantly know how they're feeling and what they're feeling and how they're going to manifest it. I also have a young girl that I talk to about young characters because I don't always know, I don't know the music. I don't know 
what's going on tech wise. I'm pretty good. I'm, I like tech. I, I think it's fun to do it. I, I do Me that too. AI, that GBT. I mean, I think, you know, you've got to, you've got to stay on top of things or else you're giving in. I think that's a very important tip for, I think I'll do that today. <laughs> Staying on top of things. And as I said, artificial intelligence yes. is coming on in the world. So we better be reading about it and studying it. And so I did chat GBT, you know what I mean? Where you ask it to, yes. I asked it to do my bio. And in two seconds, it came out. It wasn't quite right at all, but it came out in about maybe 12 seconds. It wow. just- and then you have to know what words to say to make it right. They d- it didn't have any humor. It didn't have any of what I think of myself having, but it had everything else. So I didn't have to go up and look it for my bio and put it together. It was there. So, I mean, so cool. artificial That's intelligence so cool. is what's happening and we better beware of it, I think. There are a lot of people that say it's going to overtake us. And I, I certainly think it could if it can answer me in two minutes. And I asked it one question about my new book. I said, do this in um, La Carre's voice. Do this in <laughs> Tom Hanks' voice. Do this in my husband's voice. You know, and I, just to see what it could do, and it could. It didn't do it greatly, but it had. It did get the right voices somewhat, and I thought that was so interesting. So cool. You've run eight marathons. First of all, that in itself, like, wow. And I'm wondering how, how you achieve that. But you also compare running marathons to aging. How so? How is that a metaphor, aging well, in a know, marathon? In the, beginning, in the beginning, it's so easy when you're running at the start. It's just you're flying. It feels terrific. You're <laughs> chatting with people. You're having a great time. In the middle, you're getting a yes. little tired, but not badly. That's being 40, 50, 60. And at the end, it's really tough. I mean, you're, you know, you're hitting the famous wall and you're thinking, can I do this? And one time, I think I mentioned this in the book, I was, my husband and I were running the Marine Corps marathon. He was way ahead of me and I was just tired. And I sat down on the curb and I thought, why am I doing this? I've run five marathons. I don't have to prove anything. At which point a very, very crippled man was in the marathon. He came by and he looked at me and said, can I help you? Are you all right? And I looked at him and I said, you just helped me by showing me what a jerk I am and how silly I am that I'm not, that I'm complaining because I'm tired. And here you're doing this with 500. It must be so painful. And he said, well, yes, but you have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other. And I said, I'm going to walk with you for a while. So I walked very slowly with him and then I took <laughs> off and finished the marathon. Aww. But, you know, the end of a marathon is like aging. It hurts and you don't want to do it and you don't want to keep going and you want to quit, but you keep going because you, there is an ending to this. There is a finish line and you should cross it. And, you know, we're all going to have to cross that finish line and we're all going to die. And we know this. And when you get to be 80, you see your friends dying and you know, that's the next step probably. And not a good one because you love life so much, but therefore you should be doing things. And running a marathon reminds you of that. And that boy, that boy who looked at me and said, can I help you? That was a real life lesson for me. I have to tell everyone, like the book made me laugh a lot and it was fun, but there's also so many poignant moments in the book. And and you have to read it because I can't give it all away here, but about your mother and about looking after your parents when they're aging and the role reversal and and what that's like and how hard that is. And and there were really moments where I actually cried, cried my eyes out in the book. So it's just, it's poignant. It's got pathos and highs and lows and all of it. And, And the novels are fabulous too. So Really, really incredible, incredible stuff. I also love in your book where you tell the story about being in the film Black Swan with Natalie Portman and Winona Ryder. And even though you only had one line 
it was so fabulous to film that part and have that experience and how important at life it is even to embrace the small roles. This is for any actors listening, but so true. Can you just say more about that? Because I loved your take on that. Well, I remember when I went to audition for it, they said they wanted a really chic New York woman. I had an Hermes bag and I was dressed perfectly and I had my hair done. And I was, I mean, I, you know, the right earrings, the right jewelry, everything was perfect. And I went in and the man, the director said, have you ever acted? And I said, well, I was on a soap opera for 30 years or whatever, <laughs> plural soap operas. And he went, oh, my mother liked those. It's like something like that. And I went, <laughs> and he said, well, you look the okay. part. Oh no, that's what he said. You look the part, but can you act? And I went, yeah, I think so. I was just so flabbergasted. <laughs> that that's how he treated me. And then when I got the part, I thought, well, I guess I looked at enough that he gave, gave it to me. It was supposed to be head of the ballet, the chairman, you know, the the one who gives all the money. So I got there that night and I sat between Winona Ryder and Natalie Portman. And I said, hi, I'm Tina Sloan. And they said, hi. And then I looked at Natalie. I said, I'm Rennie McPherson's mother. And she jumped out of her chair because she was a good <laughs> friend of my son's. All of a sudden I was, you know, I was welcomed and part of the whole group. But yes. <laughs> I realized it's your children. It's your children now. It's not you anymore. It's your children that are opening right. doors for you. Not, it's not. They didn't care who You're I was. Right. <laughs> and they, she cared once she knew I was Rennie's. They'd been at a wedding the week before together and they, they'd gone to Harvard together. So she was just delightful. <laughs> oh, I just love that. I love that. Uh, that's such a great story. For actors, young and old, because I think, again, dreams have no expiry date. So from for someone who's listening to this who might be 20, to a hundred who wants to be successful as an actor to make it in this business or as a writer, a novelist, or what would be your best advice? Cause you sort of been successful in a lot of different areas. Well, I'm going to say it's like running a marathon to be an actor or, you know, you have to pound the pavement. You have to persevere. You're going to be told no so many times and you have to find something different to get you in the door. You can't be like everybody else. You can't, you know, come in with, I mean, I used to come in with a, plant sometimes to an agent because then they'd see the plant for the next 20 years or it wasn't just a box of candy or flowers that are going to wilt but something like that and I also when I met agents first of all I made this huge chart of all the agents there were in New York and I would call them and they'd say call back I said you get my picture and resume this was 50 years ago or 40 years ago and they'd say oh i don't know i said well i'll send it to you again what's your name and she'd say judy i'd say okay judy thank you and i'd send another picture and resume to dear judy and then i'd call back the next week and i said judy did you get it oh gee i don't know i said judy i'll send it to you again and i'd send it again and then finally judy wow. would say yes and i'd say well can i come and meet the, the agent and she'd say, oh, okay. Yes. And, you know, she, she'd let me in, maybe, maybe, not always. Maybe sometimes it just didn't work at all. But you kept pounding the pavement. And I really do mean that. Oh, and no. it's, it's so much perseverance and it's not taking it personally. One time I was told I didn't get a commercial because I reminded the man of his ex-wife. And I thought, well, that tells you everything <laughs> about him. But, but so you're going to lose, you're going to lose parts and you can't take it seriously that you did something wrong. It's probably yeah. his fault <laughs> or they just didn't, That's you right. know, you're not, you're not right. What is the main nugget, Tina, you would love people to take away from your beautiful Instagram page on aging tips and from your books and your life on how to age gracefully and still feel beautiful and vibrant and alive at any age? Well, I guess you've got to have a sense of humor. 
I mean, you've got to be able to laugh at yourself. You know, I see yes, we all stand yes. up and I you don't jump up like I used to. I have to, you know, make sure I'm standing up. Um, I, I get down on the floor <laughs> with my grandchildren and to see me get back up from down on the floor. I, oh, I, I laugh at myself. I go, look at me. I can't get up like you can. Now, you show me how you get up and I'll try to do it your way. You know, you can't, you can't do the same thing. You, know, you gain oh. weight, you just gain weight. And it's not going to come off the way it did, or at least it doesn't come off me the way it did. True, oh. It's just the way it is. And I think being able to laugh at yourself, I make, when I'm doing my aging tips, more than not, I'll, I'll make a mistake and I laugh. And people I've learned like that. They like your laughing at yourself. Yes. That, you know, I can forget a name. I can, for, and, and that's another thing. You forget names when you get older and you have to laugh about it. You have to say, all right, I forgot your name. You probably forgot mine, but I'm Tina. <laughs> You're Matilda. <laughs> You know, you, you have to make it work. And it, it all comes from laughing at yeah. your. I, I really think that's probably the key. I mean, when I get serious so about it, it's not fun. So I might as well laugh. There's nothing else to do. So great. What is bliss for Tina Sloan? I'd say, I mean, bliss comes to me in different forms. You know, it comes in the form of my grandchildren who are little and love me and think I'm just perfect. It comes in the form of, <laughs> of my friends who, who understand me and I understand them and we're not perfect. It comes in the form of talking to you. I mean, this has been so much fun. It's fun to talk to you, Judy. You know, this is, it's all about me. How could that not be fun? <laughs> it comes in the form of, I meditate every day. I try to exercise every morning. My acting teacher said, if you say try, you're not going to do it, but I do do it. I exercise almost every morning. It comes in terms of Bliss is putting on makeup and then looking at yourself and thinking, okay, you're old, but you're, you're doing the best you can do. So that's, that's blissful. <laughs> I love that. I have to tell you, it's really been an honor and an absolute delight to sit down and talk with you today. Really, Thank you, Judy. I really it. enjoyed it too. As I said, what so could be great. more blissful than talking about yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. What is the best way for people to connect with you on social media and to watch your wonderful Instagram page and to get all of your books and all the rest? Well, Amazon has all my books. Tina Sloan at Amazon has all three of my books and hopefully the fourth soon. And they're really fun. I mean, I think my novels take you places that you just love to go. But Tina yes. Sloan at Instagram, S-L-O-A-N. And I answer. People ask me questions on it and I try to answer them. I, and I pretty much do. I, I answered you. Love that. I know. I was so thrilled. I was actually so thrilled when I, when I heard that, oh, she's a famous soap opera star. Is she ever going to respond to this? Maybe her media representative. And you wrote me and I said, you yeah. know, sometimes you just have to ask, right? That's right. That's it's so right. important to ask. Each week we spot a fabulous person like Tina Sloan, who is living their bliss. So if you're an author, artist, actor, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anyone who is found in following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. We also love to feature singer-songwriters on this show. If you're a singer, please reach out to us. Also, what did you love about today's program? Are there any guests or topics you would love us to feature on Finding Your Bliss? Just write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach. If I can help you in any way, please let me know. Reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And all you have to do is search up Judy Liebrecht. And of course, you can always follow us at The Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook. You can also find Tina on her website, tinasloan.com. Thank yous.
I would like to thank our wonderful guest, Tina Sloan, for being on the show today. Also, thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kylie, producer Olivia Weatherall, Nayira Amani, audio engineer Juliana Yanuzielo, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown Rodriguez, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Liebrach, reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.